This morning, we continue our study of perhaps, you might say, the most primitive of the Apostle Paul's books, letter, most primitive letter in the New Testament, born out of conflict. The mood of the letter is decidedly urgent. You feel an urgency in the letter. You, you get a sense that there's a lot at stake, and there is being addressed by this letter. The message, there's a message that, that's threading its way through every paragraph, every verse, even when it seems like, well, how does this fit in with that other thing? They're all sticking together, right? A, a, addressing an issue that concerns every Christian since the very first Christians who received this letter all the way and up until today. And you and I, to state it in the form of a question, our concern, what, what must I do to be a Christian? What must I do to be a Christian? That's what's going on. That's what's going on. To become a Christian, to, to live as a Christian, to, you might say, to remain a Christian. How, how shall I live? This morning, as we finish chapter 5 and prepare for chapter 6, which is the end, the finale, we reach the summary. The summary. He, here, perhaps like nowhere else in Galatians, and oh, there are really good sentences, but listen condensed here into a single sentence lies the answer to that question it's going to sound familiar at least paul's repeating himself what do christians do what do christians do here lies the answer for all of us who want to who want more more of me, more of us, to be like Jesus. Here's the answer. To do what Christ is doing. To do what Christ is doing. That, that's Paul's answer. What must a Christian do? Look with me. Let's read them. pray. Chapter 5, beginning with verse 25. Follow along. Paul writes, If... We live by the Spirit. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let me read that one again. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The very words of God. Would you pray with me for understanding? Father, Father, we pray that you would visit us now. We're so happy to be in this room. I pray you would send your spirit. Visit us now as we read these words and consider the, the reservoir of grace that awaits every individual who will come and receive from you, who's thirsty and drinks of the water that you are offering. Father, Father, I pray you would you would send your spirit, and as we hear words spoken and we read them on this page, you would do surgery on our hearts, you would change our minds, you would revive us, restore us, renew us, refresh us, we would be wowed by your grace, we would be enthralled not by the things we see, but the one in which we long to look face to face with our Savior Jesus. Show us, 
Show us another sighting of your son. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we had an app. We had an app back in the day, for all you youngsters that were unaware, before chat, GPT, before artificial intelligence, which I still wonder what that means. I feel like I'm living it artificial intelligence in the golden age of technology just prior to like when Steve Jobs invented the face that you know the the front facing camera and everyone just started taking selfies this golden age we had an app app and it was called IFTTT do you do you remember this IFTTT everyone's looking at me strange because you didn't use it I didn't use it and it shows this it was if if this then that if this then that it was, it was described back then as digital duct tape. <laughs> digital duct tape. All you had to do, and, and I know, none, I'm guessing almost none of us did. I knew about it and didn't use it. All you had to do, you downloaded this app onto your new shiny iPhone 2. It was this big. And, and, and it, you could set it. You could do, uh, set it to, to trigger things. You could trigger things. And supposedly when you set these triggers, as something happened in one application that you were using, it would automatically per perform a corresponding uh, action in another application, such as when you posted a photograph. This was glorious back then. I mean, this was the old days. I mean, take a photo and to store it, that took a lot of work. But with IFTT, with the IFTT app, you could take a photo and when you uploaded, and here we go, I'll date myself, you uploaded your photo up to MySpace, right? IFTT would kick in. It knew. It was like artificial intelligence. It knew what was going on. It knew what you wanted. It read your, your uh, settings there, and it would automatically save a copy of that photo, which couldn't be yourself because you didn't have a camera that faced you. So it was of somebody else somewhere out there, and then I'll date myself again. It would automatically say uh, upload it to and save a copy on um, like Flickr right, or something like that. Uh, you'd, you'd steal a song from Napster. Okay, <laughs> he stole a song from Napster, and IFTT, oh, IFTT would automatically upload that song into, here I'm going to date myself again, remember iTunes? It would upload it in iTunes, of which you'd have like big hard drives on your desk because you had so many songs that you stole on Napster, and IFTT would then automatically up them, if then, then this, into iTunes. Remember ripping, remember ripping CDs into iTunes? Oh, those, those were the golden years. It took work to enjoy music back then. <laughs> it was like magic. Digital duct tape. If this, then that. If this, then that. Well, listen. That's precisely the kind of programming Paul is offering us. The logic behind Paul's summary statement you might say, for the whole book, because the rest of this is going to be an if this then that output. If this then that. This is this, the, the logic, the, the, the programming behind Paul's summary statement in verse 25 as, as he begins to wrap up the letter. If this then that. If this, we're going to look at what the this is, then that. we got to consider what the that is. One, one will trigger the other. One, in the logic of the, in the apostle's mind, but powered by the Spirit. It's God's logic. 
one leads to the other, logically, not automatically. And that was my experience when I tried IFTT digital duct tape. The results were not as predictable as they promised, though I'm sure the FBI was monitoring whatever was going on, anything that was connected to Napster at the time. But logically, possibly, Paul is saying, potentially, here's the application. Look again, verse 25. The book of Galatians, this letter. What? How then shall we live? What, what should we do? How can I be a Christian? He says, what, how do I live? Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, and there's so much there. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If this, if this is true, if this happens, we live by the Spirit. Then, that, and what's the that? Keep in step with the Spirit. I-F-T-T-T. Let me explain how the application works. Part one. Point one. If this. If this happens. If this is true. If this is you. We live by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, in other words, our life, our spiritual life, our Christianity, our reality is accounted for, explained by, accredited to the work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. He, if, if the, he is who animates you, explains you, your spiritual life, your spiritual vitality, our spiritual life even as a congregation, as, as Paul wrote earlier in Galatians, are you so foolish, right? He's, he's combating these troublemakers that had slipped in on these new Christians that were asking the question, what should I do? And they had a set, they, they had an idea, they had a suggestion. That was why their byline was the circumcision party. They had ideas on what you should do if you're a Christian. Paul, Paul writes, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit. And he says, are you, are you now being perfected by the flesh, by, by your works, by the law? We received, he writes, the promised Spirit through faith. Nothing you had done. You... You believed and you received the merits and the work of Christ. He, he writes Galatians, in Galatians 4, uh, verse 6, he says, Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son. There it is. Who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit. Also picking up in the New Testament, all of them, the, the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of His Son. He sent the Spirit of His Son into your heart. Which cries out, Abba, Father. Right? Yeah, yeah. Paul says, How did this begin? What has happened to you? If you are living, if you are alive, you have been born again according to the Spirit. Paul writes in Galatians, For through the Spirit by faith we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Paul writes this all over the New Testament. In Romans he writes, consider yourselves 
to be dead to sin. You were dead, and he says that to the Ephesians. Dead to sin, now you've died to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's this life and death, this death and this life. thing. We're, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We've been given the Holy Spirit, he says in Ephesians. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul prays to the Ephesians. Listen to his prayer. And this is familiar, you don't need to turn there. He says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you. He's, he's saying, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. That's the spirit. spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. There's that spiritual life. Something I see something I've never seen before. And it's not just intellectual. It's my soul. I'm alive. That you may know what is the hope to which you've been called. There's that Abba Father. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? I've been united to Christ. I'm alive in Christ. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? And he explains that's the resurrection power in you. If, if you live by the Spirit, Paul writes to the Ephesians, even when we were dead, dead in our trespasses, sins, God made us alive together with Christ. We're his, he says later, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We have been born again. We live because Christ lives in us. Now look at a verse, chapter 2, verse 20. Just go back so we're refreshed. This, see, the thread is just running all throughout, but this is the summary. But he said it back in 2.20. Galatians 2, verse 20, if you turn back or scroll back a little, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. And that word is very specific, and we saw it last week as well. I've taken up my cross and followed Jesus who laid down his life and was hung suspended between heaven and earth for my sin, cursed Paul says in Galatians, taking on the consequences of God's law on account of our sin, not his. He was made sin. That's because of us. The one who knew no sin, that we who are sinful could become righteous. But he says in 220, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. I'm alive. But Christ, who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If we live by the Spirit. This is why Paul says the same exact thing to the Romans. Romans 8, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. He writes, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. That's the son. The son died in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. If, if we live by the Spirit, if we live by, if we no longer live by the law, not 
any longer living by my own efforts. Not theoretically, but actually in day-to-day life. No longer judging, what should I do next? What should I do next? (laughs) Not by anything I do, have done, can do, wish I did. Really, I did it in my heart, but I didn't do it in in reality. (laughs) No, instead, remember back, way back in Galatians, by this peculiar work, a, a, a peculiar grace in our lives where we believed. We received. Not something we accomplished, but God gave us the grace to receive. We believed. And because we believed, which is explainable at the very bottom by God's own actions himself, because we believed, we received. What did we receive? We received forgiveness. We received reconciliation. We received a new relationship with our creator. We received understatement here, everything. The riches of the Son of God's inheritance from the Father, which again, understatement, is everything. Co-heirs with Christ, upon which all of creation pivots and revolves. All of it's His, now and all of it's ours. All of that in a word that Paul uses over and over and over again. What does it mean to be a Christian? What do Christians do? What does a Christian life look like? Life. We are alive. Where once I had a cold, dull, senses heart I might have been doing many of the same things in my story some of them were good prior to this moment occurring but then in an instant life like the light bulb went off have you had that experience the light shone into your heart Paul writes to the Corinthians We have seen something of his glory. We've seen and heard the truth. No longer resisting to it. The light bulb went off. And though I might even be doing some of the same things I did, which seemed to comport with God's requirements and his law, which is really just a a mirror of who he is in the first place. Just thinking about Mother's Day. I loved my grandmothers. Both of them are now gone. I love my mom. I loved them when I was 13 years old and I was doing all kinds of bad stuff. For some reason, when I headed out, I'll date myself, I'm 16 years old, fill up the tank with like $3 worth of gas, which got me like five miles in my 69 Chevelle. And I I I fill it up and I'm going out to hang out with my friends and do who knows what. But on the way, I would stop and sit with my grandma, my nana, my friends. They couldn't text me, couldn't call me. They didn't know what I was doing. I was sitting on the porch with my nana on Friday night at 7 o'clock, because I loved her, as I should, to honor my father and mother and appreciate, thank God for this woman who loved me unconditionally and just lived for me and her grandchildren and her children and her husband, my grandfather. 
And when I became a Christian, that, I didn't like all of a sudden not love my grandmother, and I didn't become a Christian all of a sudden. I loved my grandmother. I was always loved my grandmother. But a light bulb went off, and there was something different about all of it. If anything, it was just why it was happening. Life. Life now. Life eternal. Life abundant. <laughs> life everlasting. If you no longer live, listen, if you no longer live but it's Christ who is living in and through you, which the writer of Hebrews, just thinking all these texts throughout the New Testament, we talk about the Christian life. He, he called, the writer of Hebrews calls Christ's life an indestructible life. If you have experienced that and you have an indestructible life, and regardless of your circumstances, if this is you, and, and we've got to stop and ask the question, is it you? Because the program doesn't work if we don't get the if. Pro program doesn't work if you get the if. Have you experienced this new life? Have, can you say, it's no longer I that live. Something has happened to me. And when I look at this book and I hear other people who say the same, it, they say, it's no longer you live, it's Christ that lives in you. It's a reality that only comes by faith. You, you can't earn it. There's no checklist for it. You might not have experienced it. Listen, it's yours for the taking. It's yours for the taking. Just thinking about the woman at the well. She, disciples are gone. This woman shouldn't be at the well. She's at the well and she asks Jesus for some water. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus asks her for water. <laughs> Listen what the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan, right? How can you ask me for a drink? Because the Jews didn't relate to the Samaritans, right? Was, Jesus said, if, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that you, who asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Listen, what, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus said, Jesus answers, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give to him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give to them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What does the woman say? Whoa. <laughs> the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. Have you asked? Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to the well to drink again. He confronts her. He knows her. And she runs home telling everybody about the one who has the water a living water. Is this you? Have you experienced it? I just don't want to assume because it doesn't work without it. 
Are you spiritually alive? Listen, if you're, you're like, I think I am. I'm not sure I am. It doesn't really matter at that point. Drink again. Spiritual life. Be made new. Be regenerated. Born again. That, that's how this works. Okay? That's how this works. In Christianity, there is a if then, if this, before you get to any of the do this. In Christianity, there is a if this before any of the do this, what do Christians do, comes. <laughs> and if you don't have any of the if this, the do this is not only irrelevant, it's impossible. But number two, the other half. If this, then this. What is the then this? Then this. Look again, verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, here's the then this. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What do Christians do? What, what, is, what is Christ doing? See, but Paul doesn't say, okay, in the end there, if you live by the Spirit, we got this justification by faith, we got this miracle of regeneration, we got this union with Christ that isn't on account of anything I am or do or a race or a, a gender or anything, that you, any label you could put, any merits and lists you can make. Remember just the text before, like 25 do's and don'ts? If in the end, Still asking, what do Christians do? The answer, the answer is, what is Christ doing? Not what are the rules? And especially the like, they're not following the rules kind of stuff. It's not a culture. Like it's somehow, we're just culturally Christians. There's no bricks in the backpack, so to speak. So a list of extracurricular activities that some human beings do because they're Christians. No, listen, it's to say it another way, the translation, another translation reads it kind of like loosely. It says, if the Spirit is the source of your life, uh, there you go. If the Spirit is the source of your life, we live by the Spirit. This translation says, let the Spirit also direct your course. Let the Spirit direct your course. Here's how one preacher said it. He said, the Holy Spirit comes to make us all kinds of things, but in particular, holy. It's His will for us by making us like Himself. I want to be like Jesus. What do Christians do? They, they follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes to make us all kinds of things, including being holy, by making us know and feel the reality of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, God's hatred of, recoil from, and wrath against our sins. We, we come alive and we see and we feel and experience all these things. And His loving insistence is leading, right? Just earlier in the chapter, if you're being led by the Spirit, Loving insistence on changing and rebuilding us even while he forgives us. That's, that's what we're talking about here. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. God is 
insisting upon all that, on changing us and leading us, rebuilding us, even while he has forgiven us and continues to forgive us and make us righteous, not because of anything you do, but because of what he has done for us. Listen, here, here's a good preacher, John Piper. This is, says, when we walk by the Spirit, when we walk by the Spirit, he's speaking of, and that's a title for that whole section there, right? So, so we have the keeping in step with the Spirit. We're following Jesus. We're walking by the Spirit. We're not controlled no longer by the drives that we saw earlier in the chapter. He says, this is what verse 17 means. The flesh produced one kind of desire. Remember that last week, the works of the flesh? And the Spirit produces another kind. They're opposed to one another. Walking by the Spirit. Here, keeping in step with the Spirit as the Spirit leads you, leads us. Walking by the Spirit is what we do when, we desire, when the desires produced by the Spirit are stronger than the desires produced by the flesh. What do Christians do? They allow God to change and refine and guide us to things that happen when our desires, the desires produced by the Spirit are stronger than the desires that once ruled and reigned in tyranny over me and you when we were dead in our sins. Here's what he says. But this means... And you can't miss this. This means that walking by the Spirit is not something we do in order to get the Spirit's help. But rather, just as it says, something we do by the enabling of the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, we will also walk by the Spirit. There's an enabling, an empowering, a vivification you know that word mortification if you're a nerd and you like the Puritans and things like that? Mortification, a killing of sin. And we're about that. We're about the subduing of the power of sin in our lives. And that's the only time you're going to hear me use that word in a sermon. Mortification. <laughs> but now here we are in the vivification. You should be just as familiar. If you're familiar with that other term, you should be familiar with this term as well. Vivification. The pursuit of the enlivenment of the spirit in us killing of the works of the flesh and the passions of the flesh the life of the flesh my natural inclinations and the pursuit of the empowering life-giving passions of christ himself his spirit so let me ask the question Are you in step or out of step with the Spirit? We already talked about it. Do you live by the Spirit? But if you live by the Spirit, it's an odd phrase there. Keep in step with the Spirit. What does that imply? You may be out of step <laughs> with the Spirit. When you're in step with the Spirit, that's, that's that other verse that's paired in there with that one before we get to chapter 6. If you look down for a second, verse 26. And this is 
just more of all that he's been saying in chapter 5, and chapter 6 will just be all of it expanded. But here it is in verse 26. This is what the Spirit and staying in the Spirit looks like in the life of a Christian. Let us not become conceited, proud. Let's not provoke one another, right? A little earlier in the chapter, devour one another. Let us not envy one another. Spirit producing in us the life of Christ. We're looking like Jesus. And out of that comes passions that look like the fruit of the Spirit from just earlier. That wonderful list of what the Spirit does when we are led by the Spirit, when we walk by the Spirit, when we keep in step with the Spirit. Look back at 22 again just to enjoy them. The fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of your hard labors and ethics, but this is what happens to the person who's in step with the Spirit because they're alive with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. What a list. Verse 23, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Where these things aren't happening in your life, in greater and greater and greater measures, is not a list of rules that you are judged by, for you are forgiven and free in Christ. But, now that you are, but you're experiencing that new life, and but you say, these things aren't here, and I just give one for me, this big one, self-control. As we were on a pastoral team retreat, and the guys observed that I ate all the chocolate, <laughs> all of it, as you heard last week, I'm out of control, eating chocolate. A good list to ask the question, am I doing what Christ is doing? Am I keeping in step with the power of God at work in me? Listen, are you, are you stuck in your Christian life? Is your Christian life, you would say, my life, my walk with Jesus is frustrating, indifferent and cold. I'm here, but that's it for the week for me. I'm checking out the rest of the week and I'm living for myself. What a wonderful promise. An if-then program. I-F-T-T-T. If you live by the Spirit, there is an offer to walk according accordingly and experience the life of christ in you and in our church that's our prayer it can come in the form of a fresh you might say revival in your heart in a moment oh it could be very very ordinary in a slow slow pace as the lord works but remember and this is where i'm going to pray you got to have the if first You have to live by the Spirit. And if you have been living for yourself and living or thinking that somehow your life will convince Christ to fill you with His Spirit, I pray God would convince you otherwise. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank You for Your words that that can cut us in and cut to the heart and speak to us to our souls, even when we are dead in our sins. And Lord, so I pray this morning you would break in and grant new faith, 
greater measures for all of us, we would be more convinced than ever that all of our hope, all of our <laughs> any chance, any possibility that the rest would happen is attributed to the work of your spirit in our souls, quickening us to life. But Lord, for the one who has never experienced that, Lord, I pray they would experience it now as we sing, as we pray, as we care for one another on the way out. Lord, that you would grant the gift of faith and their eyes would be open, their hearts would be enlightened, and they would experience new life, new birth, new, new affections and passions. Father, I pray that each of us and Sovereign Grace Church of Orange as a whole would stay in step with the Spirit. Father, would your passions, your Son's life, course through our veins and change the way we live, that we might not be out of step with the Spirit. Do this, we pray. Send your Spirit to us even now. In Jesus' name, amen.